0: Good to be here, and thank you for reminding me why I'm here. Yeah, Yeah, we did meet the other day in Puyallup. I'm sitting there with my wife thinking, why did I come here again? (laughs) That's not a good sign. Yeah, I was invited. (laughs) Amen. Amen. But we were here for the wedding, and um, that was one of the funnest weddings that I've been to. And we really enjoyed ourselves. It was a beautiful setting, wonderful couple, a a very, very engaged crowd, and just a really nice wedding. Amen. And if I ever decide to say my vows again to this young lady, um, we are going to have a bouncy house. (laughs) 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 We got to do that. Amen. 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 So if I can get you, brother, to bring up my presentation. Um, The clicker isn't um, working at such a great distance. And so what I'm going to be doing today is faking that I'm clicking. And he's going to be watching. And if this thumb doesn't work, then I'm going to have to do the audio. Click it. (laughs) But not yet. Not yet. couple thoughts on my mind before we get into this. While well, I was listening to the music, we have beautiful music here. You have beautiful music, talented musicians, and I, I don't want to disparage any of that by what I'm going to say. When I first came into the Pentecostal way back in Duluth, Minnesota, in the early 70s, I had come out of the a music culture, and it was a very very interesting time in, in the culture, the, the hippie movement, with a, um, like an explosion of music and um, bands and different instruments and different styles being tried. And when I started to go to the small little Pentecostal church, and they had a, an accordion My flesh died. <laughs> it was like a major shock to my sensibilities on, on what music should sound like. And, I, and I, um, I invited friends of mine from that culture to church. And um, it was we had to get past that. We had to get past that. And a lot of my friends got saved. Hallelujah. And we got past it. Um, it was interesting because several years ago at the National Youth Congress that the United Pentecostal Church has every couple years, the, the children and the grandchildren of the church that have so offended my ears um, were a part of the... They had a contest there. You're f- familiar with that? To see who had the best singing group and then they actually got a recording contract for that. It was the church that I came into that won. The accordion players' grandchildren. (laughs) If you can imagine such a thing. And we've come a long way. We've come a long way in the United Pentecostal Church with our music. But I don't want us to be be remembered as people of music. I don't want us to be remembered as people of the songbook. And a couple of years ago, we, we used to sing a song. We are a dancing generation. Remember that? We want to be a dancing generation. And I, when I first heard that song, I thought, well, that's beautiful. That's wonderful. Because when we came into this Pentecostal way back in the 70s, we were kind of shy about that stuff. And I remember a brother one time, in church stood up and raised his hands and we didn't hardly know what to do. We were just a bunch of new converts trying to figure out how to do this thing and that was a big thing he stood up when he wasn't asked to stand up and now we are a dancing generation in the aisles dancing worshiping God but I don't want to be remembered as a dancing generation We've gotten better in just about everything except one. We've gone backwards. When I came to the Lord, we in Duluth, Minnesota, that little church that eventually had to put up a building to seat 800, that little group of people, We're known around town as people of the Word, and I want to be remembered as people of the Word. Amen? And we're going backwards. I'm sorry. We're going backwards. I have had the unfortunate opportunity during the last several months to talk to different ones who've been around Pentecost most of their life. And they've never read the Bible. We miss something. Something, how do I say it nicely? The devil is not going to try to keep you out of the aisle. He's not going to try to keep you off the musical instruments, and he's not going to try to keep you out of a songbook but he's gonna try his best to keep you out of that Bible. That's where the battle is, and that's where I'm gonna to minister today. Lord Jesus, as we look into your word, we ask God that you would touch the minds, and the hearts, the souls, the spirits of everybody here, and let something change within us. Let this not be just another meeting, but let this be a, a shift in our thinking and in our commitment and we ask this in Jesus' name. Click. Jewish sacredness of scripture study. If you've ever been around an Orthodox Jew, and I'd like to consider us as Orthodox Pentecostals. So that's the comparison I want to make there, okay? They are the, they are the group of the Jewish people that take it serious. We are the group of the Christian that take it serious, click. That doesn't bother you, does it, if we have to say click? If anybody's going to be bothered by that, let me know right now, and I'll ask you to leave. <laughs> click with me, yeah. Everybody repeat after I say click, click, and then he'll, he'll know what to do. No, 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 go back, go back. <laughs> Thank you, brother. And we're going to have a good time here, too, right? Amen. When I was young, I wanted to be a comedian, and I found out that it doesn't pay well, so I became a sheet metal man instead. (laughs) Um, An Orthodox Jew will go through different things before he studies his Bible. Um, I could also say this for Muslims, before they study the Quran, They'll wash. They'll wear certain clothing. They'll prep. They have a place a Jew will put on his prayer shawl. He'll get in a position of prayer and a position to study. Click. Are we losing the sacredness of personal scripture study? What is our position? What is our preparation? And what is our mindset as we reach into our pockets and take out our Bibles? Hear me. What is your preparation? As you turn this on, click. And you share it with Jesus and Facebook. You say, Brother Bergman, you're picking. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. We don't reach a place in our study of the Word of God Where the Spirit of God can enlighten us and lead us and teach us when He and His Word is not our sole focus. Click. I want to talk to you about some tools that you can use for Bible study. These are things that I learned, I'm so old almost 50 years ago when God started to show me the value of the Word of God in my life. Click it. I want to talk to you about the chicken-picking method of reading your Bible. Flip it open. God, show me something. Click it. And what does God say? Click it again. In Matthew 27, 5, Judas threw the coins down in the temple and left. And then he went off and hanged himself. So a man asking God for guidance and direction for his life that day came across this verse. He said, Lord, this can't be. But this is the chicken picking method. Lord, show me something. Just show me something right now. I've also referred to this as the fortune cookie method of Bible study. (laughs) Crack it open and see what's on the inside. I'm willing to read a verse. Anybody here do that? You're not even reading that much? (laughs) Click it again, brother. What is God's response to that? And Elijah said, fear not. Go and do as thou hast said. But make me a little cake first. (laughs) Go hang yourself but make me a little piece of bread first. That sounds like something my wife would say. Get me a cup of coffee first, honey. That's what can happen when you do the chicken picking, fortune cookie method of Bible study. I've been a teacher of the Bible for most of my Christian walk. I never aspired to do something like this. This was never something that I, I felt I was wanting to do. But I found that it just happened to me, and I'm going to say something that for me is profound. If you're asked to speak at a church, do you then study? Do you try to get a message? I don't study because I teach. I teach. Because I study. When you asked me to come, my gun was already loaded. God will use anybody that's prepared, but He will look at those that have nothing and that are asked to perform and then scramble. And think that's not the man or woman that I can use consistently. You've got to study whether you are going to speak or not. Study, study, study. I gotta turn around because I can't hardly read that. Start building your own list of Bible teachings, such as this pile of blocks. Construct the foundation. Don't just pick through the Bible and expect to become a student of the Bible. Click. While it's fine to open the Bible and read a chapter or two, we also need to engage in systematic study of topics and groupings. I'll give you some points here. Read the book of Romans with a pen and paper. Write down all the main things Paul is addressing in this book. That's how you study the Bible. If I were separated from my, my bride, and that hardly ever happens, we are one, seriously one, and if I were ever separated and she were to write me a letter, and I were to open the envelope, and I were to take out the letter, and I would read a sentence, and then put it away. Then she would have called me and say, Did you get my letter? I'd say, Yes. She'd say, Did you read it? And I said, Paragraph three, line two. What? Are you nuts? I sometimes wish that chapters and verses were never put into our Bible. I have a Bible that doesn't have chapter and verses. And it reads so much nicer. It reads so much nicer. Read the whole letter. Read the whole letter. Read it all. Read it all in one sitting. Read it like it's from someone you love. Read it looking for something. I read paragraph two, line three, honey, where you said that. Oh, gosh, that's, we get into a fight over something like that. <laughs> read the book of Acts and find all the places where God did something powerful by his spirit. We Pentecostals, we read the book of Acts 2 8 19. <laughs> right? There's more chapters than that. There's more moves of the Spirit of God than that. Don't look at the book of Acts as if it's four verses. Don't do that. Read the book of Genesis and look for promises and warnings given by God. Click me, brother. I want to talk to you about learning. For using. God uses those that are ready. Click it again. I've had several friends who down through the years, I've, I've seen it, I've gone to their houses and their sh- shops and their garages and they got tools, 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 but they seldom use them. They just collect them. <laughs> I went to this one friend's house once and not only did he have every tool that I could imagine, he had them drawn on the board so that if he took the hammer off, there was a silhouette of a hammer there, he knew where to put it. Are you ready for this? He had duplicates. Two hammers, two saws, two sets of screwdrivers. Wow, but did he use them? He was a collector. He liked to collect things. Click, don't do that. Word of God. I'm not talking to you about getting a collection of books. Do you understand? That's not, what I'm, that's not what I'm recommending here. Click. Become a craftsman. Become a craftsman in the things of God and in your study. For those of you that aren't married, when you're dating that one that you're going to marry, and if you're a student, you need to have them come over and they see a pile of books next to where you sit. If they can't tolerate that, you might need to consider that marriage. (laughs) You know, don't leave a mess around the house, but it should be obvious where you study. It should be obvious because the tools are not on the shelf. They're covered with sawdust and grease and they're being used, click it again. I'm never gonna get done with this if I keep going this slow. How to swim. I would like to write a book teaching those of you here that cannot swim, how to swim. And you can learn how to swim without even going in the pool. I could teach you to swim by laying across two chairs on your belly. Kick your feet, turn your head to the side, move your arms. I call these couch lessons. Swimming without getting wet. How many want to buy that book from me? Good. You're not foolish. You got to go in the pool to learn how to swim. Click it again. Click it again. Imagine I were to write a book. Know your Bible. How to be a Bible scholar without opening your Bible. Couch lessons. You know how you're going to become a Bible scholar? You're going to come to midweek study and you're going to sit here and you're going to listen to your teacher. Wrong. Ain't going to happen. Click. You know why it ain't going to happen? There are over 30,000 verses in that Bible. The average midweek Bible study covers five verses. For your teacher to spend nine minutes on a verse five times in a 45-minute lesson is going to take him 130 years to teach you that Bible. And that's what you're depending on. You know what you're going to become? A chicken picker. I know this. I know this. I've got that little grain and I've got that little grain. But the fact is, most of that Bible is a mystery. Never read it? Don't plan to. How many of you ever read that book, Prayer of Jabez? You ever read that? A guy wrote a book called The Prayer of Jabez and it became a phenomenon. Because nobody had ever heard of Jabez. You know why? Because he's in Chronicles in the genealogies. And nobody reads genealogies except that guy. And he wrote a book and got rich. Because he read the genealogies and he found a guy named Jabez that said a prayer. And it was a good prayer. But most people never got across that prayer. Because they're not going to read the genealogies because they're hardly going to the book of Chronicles. Like it. Today, many, oh, there's my cell phone. I'm not gonna leave this here. I need this thing. Today, many have the convenience of a Bible app on their phone or computer. How many got a Bible app? Click it again. I gotta turn around. My wife always tells me when I'm putting these lessons together, big fonts, big fonts, honey. I don't listen to that girl as much as I should. These apps are good technology. But they're not a replacement for having a personal hard copy study Bible where you highlight color code verses that help you quickly identify key teachings in scripture on various topics. Color your Bible. How many here have Bibles? Actually Bible. I mean paper. Leather cover. Good leather cover? quality. I know these Bible school students. They come out with these multi-hundred-dollar Bibles. Brandon comes home with a Bible, he won't even let me touch it. Dad, you're not going to get fingerprints on that cover. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, click it again. This is good. My personal Bible study color system uses these four colors, which is blue and uh, purple and red and yellow. My first Bible that I got as a new Christian. I stole it. (laughs) It was a hardcover Gideon's from the hotel. (laughs) I'd like to apologize right now. I needed a Bible. I was going to church, and people were coming to church with a Bible. But I was embarrassed. It said Gideon's. You know, I I flipped through that thing, and there's a book of Gideon. I was like, Gideons? I had a pair of old blue jeans that I'd sacrificed. I cut the legs off, and I covered the Bible with my blue jeans cloth. And I started to study it. And I color-coded it. And I had that thing for years. I wore it out. By that time, they were asking me to preach around the district. And I needed to look ministerial. (laughs) You know, you go up there with this blue jean-covered Gideon Bible that's hot. (laughs) So I got me a Thompson chain. Thompson chain. Oh, man. And I started to color that thing. Years ago, I lost it. Lost my Bible. I had bought me another one. I don't know where I lost it. Probably about three years ago, I got a package from somebody in the mail. It was my Bible. They said, I thought I'd like to return this to you. It's been a great blessing. (laughs) Yeah, probably 15 years of color coding in that thing. Old-time preachers, when they retired used to give their Bible to the one that would take their place. Did you know that? It was like handing off something of the ministry. This is my Bible. I don't know that we're ever going to auction off Bibles in the United Pentecostal Church. But can I get a bid for Brother Kilgore's Bible down in Texas? <laughs> Who will give me a thousand? Do I have a thousand? Two thousand over here. <laughs> Click it. I'm getting weird. <laughs> I want to talk to you about sorting. Sorting. To develop a greater and deeper, more accurate understanding of scripture, it is important to sort out the different teachings into understandable topics. Sorting. Click. Pick up sticks. You thought you were going to get a real deep study lesson from me, didn't you? Pick up sticks. You ever play those as a kid? You got to reach in and get the yellow one without disturbing them. Okay, that's sorting. This sorting process is like a game many have called pickup sticks, where the object is to take out individual sticks from the pile, sort and group them into separate colored piles or Bible topics. Pickup sticks will teach you how to study your Bible. I'm looking for something having to do with Elijah. I'm looking to see if he's mentioned anywhere in the New Testament. Or is he just there in the old testament? Click. Sorting and grouping. This is gonna get good. Click. This is something that they would use in a kindergarten class. It's actually pre-kindergarten, it says down on the bottom. Sorting fruits from milk and dairy. Click. This is the test. Okay, you gotta focus. Apple. Dairy fruit or other. Dairy. Who says dairy? Fruit. Click. We win. Cheese. Dairy. I'm not getting all the hands up. I'm worried. Dairy. (laughs) If you didn't raise your hand then you said fruit, correct? (laughs) Click it. Okay. Uzziah. Click it again. Uzziah. King of Israel, King of Judah, King of Samaria. I hear Judah. Click it. You have to confess. Have you been reading your Bible every day? You may leave. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Click it again. Sorting the Bible. I got to turn around again. I wasn't listening to my wife. The reason sorting process is important to a better understanding of Scripture is because of the way the Bible is written. The Bible is made up of a mixture of history, poetry, songs, proverbs, prophecies, letters, and parables. I mean, it's 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 a picture book. There's all sorts of things happening in that Bible. Click it. The Bible is divided into different agreements or covenants. And requirements that require understanding of the context and the time frame for proper application. This is the temple. We don't have a temple. The Mormons have temples. They don't understand the Bible. Or they wouldn't be building temples. Okay? But we understand the Bible. So why aren't we building temples? Anybody know? We are the temple Y'all been studying, haven't you? (laughs) Okay, click it. It would be much easier if the Bible were written like a child's school lesson in outline form, wouldn't it? Have you ever asked God why he wrote the Bible like he did? Lord, why isn't it an outline? I, I learned outline in the second or third grade. Let's start out with Bible, point number one. What is God like instead of Genesis? That Genesis thing gets really complicated. So why doesn't the first book of the Bible be called, what is God like? God is spirit. God is one. God is holy. God is upset with sin. God loves people. God is only one able to save. Wouldn't that be a lot easier to teach a Bible study to someone? Then we go to the book of Exodus, which now I'm going to have it called Salvation Facts. It is vital to get saved in this lifetime. Belief in God is vital to salvation. God's method of saving is the way. Being saved is called being born again. Repentance is the place to start page one. And if that was the way God gave us the Bible, everybody could get it. They could understand it. Maybe they wouldn't believe it, but it would be simple. But that's not what God did. And we've got to deal with what God did. He gave it to us this way for a reason. Click. What I'm showing you here is just a sample of a Bible sorting program that I put together. And I'm not trying to promote that. I'm just using it because it was copy-pasted and easy to make. You can sort by keyword. When you sort by keyword here, this is a keyword on truth. And I'm highlighting 2 Thessalonians 2.13. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren beloved of the Lord, because God hath chosen you hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief in the truth. And that's why we're so excited about truth. Because that's the path to salvation. Believing in the truth is vital. You've got to believe the truth. You're not going to be saved by believing a lie. The Bible says that they might all be damned that believe a lie. But they might all be saved that believe the truth. And so it's important to know what the Bible says about truth. So we look for truth, 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 truth. How do we find truth? Let's click it again. Ah, those pickup sticks. I've already explained that to you. Next, I'm speaking to a group of adults here. Sorting by topic. You can sort by a single word or you can sort by a topic. Here I have sorted by the topic of grace. Now, you can just look up grace But sometimes that's a little shallow. And so here, 1 Timothy one nine, knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless, the disobedient, for the ungodly, for the sinners, for the unholy, and profane, for murderers of fathers. I'm a father. For murderers of mothers, my wife's a mother. There needs to be a law. You know, I hear people say, well, you know, we're Christians. I've heard people say this to people that they're trying to talk to them about salvation. And they say, well, we're not under the law. I said, what are you talking about? Those sinners that might be murderers of fathers are under the law. And I want them under the law. We live in a lawless generation. They're not under grace. They haven't received the grace of God. And so for someone to tell them, oh, you know, you're just as free as a bird... What, a, some sort of a vulture? <laughs> I'm sorry. No, God gave the law, and the law is an effect for those who fall under the category of disobedient, ungodly, sinners, unholy. But now for those of us that have been filled with the Holy Ghost, we don't need the law. Are you ready for this? We're better than the law. It's not that we don't need the law and we can live worse than the law, the law could never make you as good as Christ has made you. And so for you to start to follow the law is a step backwards. But when I see Christians that say, well, I'm not under the law. I can live like the devil. No, 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 no. Now you are under the unholy, lawless, disobedient bunch again. Is that clear? Okay, good. This is Bible study. Click. So, I said we're adults. No more pickup sticks, okay, back, back there? This guy, no, no you go back, That's, we want to talk about this guy. He dresses funny, but then he lived a long time ago. His name is Strong, and he wrote a book. And I'm going to turn around so that I can read this again. His name is James Strong, and he made the Strong's Exhaustive Concordance of the Bible. He lived from 1822 to 1894. This was before there was computers. This was before there was typewriters. I think they were using quill pens back then. He was a professor of exegetical theology at Drew Theological Seminary. He spent 35 years in preparing his landmark concordance and revolutionary numbering system. Click. 35 years. This man went through the entire Bible, word by word, and he analyzed and cataloged almost one million pieces of information by hand. And he gave it to us in a book. I love books. What has amazed me about books is I can get a book. I don't care who the author is, like Einstein, good example. I, I, like, I love reading stuff by Einstein. The guy who was a lot smarter than me. He lived until he was older than me. He worked harder than me. And he put it all in a book that thick. And he gave it to me. And said, if you read this, you will know what I know. Who does that? Who does that? This guy wrote this book. He spent 35 years and when I as a young Christian discovered this book I was in a Bible bookstore and there it was down on the bottom shelf by my feet and I reached down and I took it out and I looked at it and I thought, What is this? I didn't have a lot of money back then. I think I paid $35 for that book. Back in 1972, 1973, that was a lot of money. I was making $5 an hour so that was a day's wage. What do you suppose this book costs today? Huh? Click. You can get this thing online for six bucks. Six bucks. Click. Nobody buys books anymore. Did you know that? Nobody reads books anymore. We don't need to. Or do we? There's something about that 35 years of study that that man put in that I'm not going to get with a Google search. It ain't going to happen. I've tried. I've done my Google searches. I've done my searches. And they're all good things. But then when I go to that concordance and I go scan that page, it's like, oh, none of that came out. I didn't see any of that. I'm trying to tell you that if you're going to really study scripture, you might need a couple tools. If you can afford six bucks and go online, I recommend that sorting tool. It's called the Concordance. A Bible, topic, a Bible topic sorting process takes time and effort. Possibly months of dedicated time each day, but the end result is worth the time and effort. Is your understanding of the Bible worth that amount of time and effort? Is it worth the time and effort? to really get into that Bible, click. We can show the answer of what something is worth to us by what we put into it, click. Look at what David said. King David replied, I will not offer unto the Lord my God sacrifice that have cost me nothing. I'm going to say it right now, God's not interested in your money. You know what money is? Money is simply time in solid form. If you make $30 an hour, $30 is an hour. That's what it is. If you make $50 an hour, $50 is an hour. God doesn't want necessarily the $50. He wants the hour. He wants the hour. God can give you more in that hour than your boss can give you on a paycheck. God wants the hour. Click. So, how much time do you put into your personal study of the Bible daily? Calculate that into money 50 cents? Two bucks? Nothing today, Lord. Click. I'm not trying to convict anybody. I'm trying to change people's thinking. Grouping. When we talk about sorting, we have to talk about grouping. It's fundamental to scripture. The Bible comes to us in groups. It says in Timothy, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman workman that needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing. Rightly dividing. Rightly sorting and grouping. Click. Jesus said the law and the prophets were until John. What does that mean? Well, I don't know, the law and the prophets were until John. I mean, it's pretty obvious there, the Beans, Brother Berglund. Well, let's take a little closer look at that. Click. Click. We're not clicking. I'm begging for a click. <laughs> okay, I got my click. <laughs> okay, the law and the prophets were until John. What are the law? Click. If you look at that little bookcase, the law is the first five books of the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And The prophets. Who are the prophets? Click it again. It's the major prophets, Click it again. It's the minor prophets. So this is the law. These are the prophets. And they were until John. Click. That takes us into the New Testament. And so that divides the Bible into the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Covenant and the New Covenant. And they were until John. Click it again. It's not talking about the Gospel of John. It's talking about John the Baptist. When John the Baptist came... He signaled a fulfillment of what God was promising and shadowing and showing in the five books of Moses and the books of the prophets. Click it again. When we talk about grouping, we need to understand these biblical groups. Are you all still with me here? Good. You know, this is the kind of stuff you get if you go to Bible college, right? If you go to Bible college, you're going to spend money, you're going to have to live in a small dorm with somebody like my son, who's an absolute mess, to get this. And I'm giving it here for free, okay? So take this, right? Okay, grouping. First of all, you've got the Pentateuch, which is, pent meaning five. It's the five books of Moses. The Pentateuch is a Greek word that literally means five books, five scrolls. It refers to the first five books. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Moses was the human author of these books. The Jewish community called these five books the Torah or the law sometimes called the law of Moses. The Torah is divided into three parts. Moral law, practical law, and ceremonial or sacrificial law. I'm just giving you the understanding of that group. Click it again. And I'm not going to bore you through the entire Bible. What? I'm actually going to take you through the entire Bible. I'm not going to bore you through the Bible. Okay, the historical books. Historical books include Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1 Samuel, 1 Kings, 1 Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther. Can I ask, anybody here got the Bible memorized, the books of the Bible? Good. I did not go to a church when I was a kid. My parents were not Christian. We were not churchy people at all. A friend of mine invited me to go to Sunday school with him one day. It was on a Sunday. And we went there, and they asked us to memorize the books of the Bible. I'm going to give a little secret away here. I got into a fight with him on the way home. (laughs) I don't remember if we actually came to hit each other or not, but for some reason we weren't friends anymore, and I don't think it was a religious argument. But I got something that Sunday. I memorized the books of the Bible. You say, well, I've been working on memorizing the books of the Bible for about three years now. You're not trying hard enough. That's my best Joe Biden voice. (laughs) (laughs) You're you're not trying. (laughs) You got to try harder. I'm sorry. You can do it. You can memorize a song by hearing it one time. Did you know that? Yes, you can. You can memorize a song by hearing it one time and I can go to YouTube and I can put on a song that I have not heard since I was a teenager and I can sing along to the words. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. (laughs) Whatever you got to do, you got to do it. Click click it again. The history of God's chosen people, the Hebrews, is also found in that grouping. And I'm not going to go through all of this. Take a look at it. Read it if you can, and I'm going to close it to the next slide. Click. Character studies is what I recommend for these books. Character studies, character studies is looking at the people in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, First, Second Samuel, you know the thing. That's my Joe Biden invitation again. <laughs> okay, click it. Noah, we find in there. Click. Moses, we find in there. Click it again. Abraham we find in there. We don't find Jesus in the Old Testament unless we find him as God. Amen? Amen. Click. I got something confidential here. I just throwing into just a little bit of politics. I thought this would be kind of fun. Let's open up this confidential envelope and see what it says. Pull it, click it. 3,237 people are mentioned in the Bible. And you all probably know the four that I just brought up. I'm sorry. (laughs) Right? What about those other guys and women? Don't even know who they are. Then you're not getting out of that Bible everything you could. There are 3,237 stories in that book that you should learn about. Click. Groupings, poetic, wisdom, writings. These include the books of Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and the Song of Solomon. Click it again. Hebrew poetry is much different than ours. Our poetry rhymes. Hebrew poetry does not rhyme. If you want to study poetry you need to understand a little bit about rhyme and meter you need to understand a little bit about the how it's constructed and it'll help you to get something out of the poem or the song is that correct what about hebrew poetry or even greek poetry they have a lot in common let's take a look at something here go ahead and click what i've got here is psalms 67 God, be merciful unto us, bless us, and look on us with kindness, so the whole world may know your will, so that all nations may know your salvation. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy, because you judge the people with justice, guide every nation on earth. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. The land has produced its harvest. Our God, our God has blessed us. God has blessed us. May all the people everywhere honor him. That's a poem. doesn't rhyme at all. So what's the structure? Well, there's a word up here. It's called chiasm. Let's take a look. Click it again. This is the structure. We don't start at the top of the poem. And I'm taking away the numbers. I'm putting these together. May the people praise you, O God. May all the people praise you. And then it goes down. May the people praise you, O God. May all the people praise you. Four times it's mentioned there. We didn't even notice it. Why would they praise God? Click it again. Now we take a look here at the beginning. God bless us so that the whole world may know your will. Click us again. We find that at the bottom of this psalm also. God has blessed us. May all the people everywhere, the whole world, honor him. See how it's tied together? Top to bottom. It balances. It counterbalances. Click it again. In the middle, we find the meat. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. And then look at X4 at the bottom of that. Guide every nation. It's the nations. Guide the nations. And this is the key. Because you judge the people with justice. This is why the world will praise God this is why this whole thing comes together because God will guide the people let's click it again so that all the nations may know your salvation in one last click the land has produced its harvest and those that are saved at the end of the age at the harvest but we miss this if we don't understand how it's grouped, takes a little time to understand these things. They taught this in Bible college, I'm sure. And as a person decides, I'm going to start reading the Bible as it was written, it's going to take a little more time, but what it's going to provide for you will be incredible. The book will come alive. I was talking to Brandon, my son, and I said, you know how hard it is to write like this? You know who talked like this? Jesus. Can you imagine if I were to be able to put together a Bible study and teach you, and it was being recorded, and when it was all written down, everything I said was in this form. Who can do that? Jesus. It's there throughout his teachings. He knows what he's going to say from the first word to the last word. And it's all fitting together and it all has a meaning and a purpose. And sometimes we just miss it. Click it again. Groupings the major prophets Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel. These are called the major prophets because of the size of the books. Click it again. The minor prophets. Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah. These are the minor prophets simply because of the size of the book. After Malachi, God was silent. Click it again. Sorting prophecy by fulfilled and not fulfilled. The Bible is a book of prophecy. You see, go, I tell you, go to the Bible and study prophecy, it's there. And make a list of the things that have not yet been fulfilled. And make a list of the things that have been fulfilled. And it will help you so much to understand the word of God concerning these things. There's so much confusion in our world today, in the church world, concerning prophecy. He that people don't take the time to understand the book. Let's take a look at Isaiah 61. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek. He has sent me to bind the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, opening the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. When Jesus was on earth, he stood up in the synagogue and he quoted from this. Click. At Nazareth on the Sabbath, Jesus went into the synagogue to read the scriptures he handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. Jesus unrolled the scroll, found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has chosen me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set up free the oppressed, and announce that the time has come when the Lord will save his people. Jesus rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And he said unto them, This passage of scripture has come true today. He didn't quote the day of vengeance because that's not yet. That's coming. And so it is very possible that a prophecy has been fulfilled all the way up to the middle of a sentence. And God says, we'll take care of the other part later. 2,000 years later, the day of vengeance of our God is coming on those that know not Christ and don't obey the bible the gospel is what it says and so understanding that it's possible there's a gap a gap between one word and the next when jesus interprets prophecy he knows what he's doing click it grouping the gospels the four gospels in the new testament consist of matthew mark luke john gospel the good news The Good News of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Click. When you read the Gospels, have you ever read them together? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, just start reading. Now there are things called parallel New Testaments that you can purchase where you can do that. I have a New Testament. It's the four Gospels united into one book and it's an amazing thing to read. Would y'all like one of those? Next time I come, pulling for an invitation, I'll bring one for everyone. For free. The entire gospel all condensed into one story. It makes it reading so much different. Let's take a look at this. Click it. If you read the four gospels, you will notice Some things are found in John that are not found in Matthew, Mark, or Luke. You say, well, I only read the book of John. You're not going to find the virgin birth there. You're not going to find Bethlehem there. You're not going to find Mary, the mother of Jesus, there. You're not going to find any of that. Click it again. The miracles of Christ. You find Matthew, Mark, Luke, all of these wonderful miracles. They're not in the Gospel of John. You're not going to find them there. That doesn't mean they didn't happen, but John wrote his Gospel for a specific purpose. And he gives us seven acts of God, seven things that Christ did. And he said, these things are written that you might believe. Many other things have been and could be written, but these things that I'm telling you, I want you to know. And it's important to grasp them, but you don't find them in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But you don't need to because you, I'm sorry, you find them in Matthew, Mark, and Luke so John didn't need to write them. But why did Matthew, Mark, and Luke write things over and over and over? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Click it again. We could go through the entire four Gospels looking at where things are, where things aren't, where things seem to be overlapped, but where they overlap. If you're looking for some place to study, bring those records up. And take a look and see what one adds that the other one doesn't have. And look at the whole three-dimensional picture. Click it again. Years ago, I was having a discussion with someone concerning prophecy. Talking about the coming of the Lord and the placing of the rapture and stuff like that. You know those kind of discussions. And they and I were in Matthew 24. And we were going down Matthew 24 like scholars. Just banging down them scriptures. And it dawned on me, this doesn't feel complete. This doesn't seem complete. There's gaps here. There's gaps in what Matthew has recorded in the message of Jesus. Could you imagine if my teaching was recorded today and then somebody printed it out and then took a scissor and cut sections out? and only gave you a part of it, and said, if you want to know the rest, you got to talk to Brother or Elder Caleb. He's got the rest. (laughs) And then they handed you the pieces. That's exactly the way Matthew 24, Luke 21, and Mark are written. If you put all three of those Gospels together to compare Jesus' teaching outside of the temple concerning the destruction of the temple, suddenly, There is no question about what Jesus is saying. Why would God do that? To show the unity of Scripture. To show the necessity of each book. Because one is the keyhole and the other is the key. Click it again. We're still talking about grouping. Go to the book of Acts. And as I said before, if you study the book of Acts, don't just study three or four scriptures. But when you look at the book of Acts, look at it as the writings and the works of the early church. And the first thing you're going to find is it is the story of Peter. Click it again. This came to me numerous years ago. I was discussing something with somebody concerning the teachings of Paul and the teachings of Peter. The Lutheran Church considers itself Pauline. They they follow Paul. The Catholic Church considers itself the descendants of Peter. I'm Pentecostal. I stand with two feet on both foundations. Right? I follow Peter. I follow Paul. I don't see a contradiction at all. Okay? And as you read the book of Acts and you learn about Peter, This is what you're going to find out. He was mightily used of God in Acts 1 through 12. Preached with boldness, bore witness before Jewish leadership, Preach Jesus crucified, risen, reigning. Preach Jesus as the way of salvation. He received visions which gave vital direction to the church's developing mission. He was in prison for his testimony, miraculously set free. Healed a congenital cripple. Healed sick people. Exercised evil spirits. Raised the dead. Called down judgment on a sorcerer, a false teacher. Possessed extraordinary powers to heal. Refused the worship of their fellow human beings. All of this in the book of Acts is said about Peter. But who wrote the book of Acts? Luke was a follower and a co-worker of Paul. Why did Paul have the book of Acts written? Well, it was a ministry tool, first of all, to go with the gospel of Luke. That's what he used as he traveled around. That was their tools. But I believe it was also to show Paul's ministry paralleled Peter's ministry. Click it again. Everything that is said about Peter is also said about Paul. Everything in the book of Acts. It's all there. I missed that for years until I started sorting and grouping on some stuff. And as you take a serious study of certain areas of the Bible it'll start to open up like a flower. It's like, oh, man, that's kind of cool. Click it again. I'm getting done here. The epistles. General letters or epistles. Written to the church. People who have been born again. Click it again. Most are written by Paul. Three are written by John. Peter wrote two. James wrote one. Jude wrote one. Click it again. we find such parallel thought in the writings of the epistles. This is just one that I did some research on a number of years ago, and I just want to bring it up. I'm, I'm not trying to showcase my sorting and grouping, but I'm trying to showcase petals of flowers that I have found. Very common. Paul says in 1 Corinthians three—I'm 13, now abideth faith, hope, and love. Now abideth faith, hope, and love. And I started doing some research on scriptures that have a combination of faith, hope, and or love. And I don't even show all of it here. It just goes on and on. But I came to a verse in 1 Thessalonians 1, 3. Your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope. And I thought, I like that. It's work, labor, and patience. And it's tied to love, hope, and faith. And I thought, I'm going to do some research on work, labor, and patience. And I came to Revelation 2 two. I know thy work, thy labor, and thy patience. Jesus took that combination and now we understand what he is saying. I know your faith. I know your hope and I know your love because I see your works. I watch your labor and I've seen how patient you can be. That's how we display those things. And there's so many things like this in Scripture as we go into the Word. But you're only going to find this with sorting and grouping. You're going to have to dig and put it in a pile. Dig, put it in a pile. We're getting close to finishing here. Clo- er, click. The revelation of Jesus Christ. There's so much here. Should we break for lunch? <laughs> no click it again Jesus sends seven letters to his church and so many times when we go to the book of Revelation we, we're looking for escaping judgment and that's it It's horrible horrible things and we kind of pass over this stuff click I it says here he holds the key of David this is who he is He shuts that no one can open. He opens, but no one can shut. He holds the seven spirits of God. He holds the seven stars in his right hand. He walks among the seven golden lampstands. He has the sharp double-edged sword. He has eyes that are blazing fire and burnished bronze. This is who he is. This is what he has. Click. This is what he doesn't like. Our blindness, our undisciplined love shameful nakedness, those who forsake their first love, people who hold false teachings, when our deeds are incomplete in the sight of God, when we say we are rich and have need of nothing, click it again click, oh these are like angry things make them go, click them again, make them go fast keep clicking, okay what we should do wake up, be hot, get on fire do not deny Jesus name Do not deny or forsake your first love." Click it again. Hold on to that which we have until Jesus comes. Have love and faith and service and perseverance. Have deeds that are complete in the sight of God. Repent and be faithful, even to the point of death. Click it again. This is how a person who gets serious about the Bible is going to grow. We've seen these games. You try to go from one place to another. Just click through this. Click it. Starting out with foundational teachings. Click it again. Old Testament, click it again. New Testament, learning these outlines, learning some of these patterns. Click it again. Getting into future hope. Prophesy. Little by little, it all comes together. And this is the last. You can go back brother. I'm done here. Click it one more time. Why would we do this? Why would we spend this type of time in the Bible? This is why I do it. Jesus answered and said because it's given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven that's where you'll find it. Unto others it's not given. Elder.
1: Praise God. Why don't we stand. Thank you Brother Berglund we are we receive from what God has for us my mind went back to uh, maybe about 12 year old me and uh, in Sunday school and in all the places where I was my Bible had uh, I call it the beginner version of a concordance. It had an index. And sometimes I thought, oh, I'd like to know or hear or see a little more about a something. Maybe it was about grace. Maybe it was about blood. Maybe it was about whatever. And I'd look at that index and I'd say, oh, there's three verses in here about grace. All right, good. And I'd turn and I'd read that one and I'd read that one and I'd read that one. I'd think... I don't really know anything more, but I know there's what those three verses say. And I thought, well, let's go to a different thing. Oh, something about the blood. Okay, it's in here these seven times. Oh, those seven verses that mention blood. Awesome. What am I learning? I don't, I'm learning facts. That's not. That's fine. But then as, as I grew and, and learned, it says the word mixed with faith. And then I started to learn everything that I need is in this book. Everything that God wants me to know is in this book. Uh, The scripture says, search the scriptures for in them you think you have life. They are they which testify of me. So who am I learning? As I'm studying scripture, I am learning the Lord, his testimony. Lord, I thank you that I get to know you. I thank you that I get to know who you are, God, and the revelation of who you are. It's in your word. Lord, I, pl- I pray right now, give me this revelation, Jesus, that you are in your word. Who you are, God, is accessible to me. The things that you want me to know about you, God, I can find them in your word. Lord, I want to walk with you through your word. I want to walk with you, Jesus, and know who you are through knowing your scripture. Come on, why don't you just talk to the Lord for a little bit today. God, I want to know you. Jesus, I desire to know who you are. Lord, I pray it right now in the name of Jesus. Come on, if you want to make some commitments right now between you and the Lord about spending time in His Word, about being led by His Spirit through His Word. Jesus, I believe You will talk to me. God, I know You will meet me in these places of study. I know You will meet me in these times of study, Lord. And I'm thankful for it. It's for my growth, Lord. It's for my edification, Jesus. It's for my strength, O oh God. It's for my walk with You. I receive it today, Lord Jesus. I receive it today, Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, just pray a little bit. Why don't you linger in His presence a little bit? His his presence is here right now. I believe He's wanting to put this stamp on our hearts today. I believe He's wanting to put this gift into our hands today. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I receive it, Father. I receive it, Lord Jesus. Yes, God. Yes, God. Oh, I want to be a person of the Word. I want that to be who I am. Let us be people of your Word, Father. Let us be those that know the truth. Let us be those whose lives are marked by the truth, God. Every decision that I make, God, let it be that which is founded in truth. Let it be that which is rooted in the doctrine of Christ. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I hold to it. I hold to it today, Father. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Yes, God. Yes, God, I thank you for it. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Brother Berglund, for ministering to us. Amen. You've heard what the Lord wanted you to hear today. And and you have the opportunity to take what you've heard, put it to use, put it to practice. If you want a Bible and you don't have a Bible, talk to me after church, and I'll make sure that you get a Bible. Amen. Our children have been learning this year that the books of the Bible in their Sunday school class. And I was just thinking about that as Brother Berglin was teaching. I'm thankful for our teachers and, and those that have the desire to not only get the knowledge, but transfer the knowledge. It's a beautiful thing. Amen. Praise God. Amen. God bless you all. Greet one another as you go today. Sister Dora brought some, some donuts. So... Feel free to get physical nourishment as well. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.